Well, hello, I, I don't think we've met. My name is Benjamin, and uh, I, I, I'm an old man now, of course, but I want to tell you about this amazing event that happened when I was a boy in Bethlehem. Um, I was probably about, about your age, um, young lady, yeah, or, or maybe, uh, let's see, maybe your age uh, there, um, the, the boy in the green shirt there, yeah. Um, yes, and, uh, but it was, it, it was, but speaking of, I see all the children here, so let me, let me tell you, first of all, before I get into my story, you probably wonder, what did we do in, as children back in Bethlehem? What kind of games did we play? Well, there was a game, of course, we had racing games, and we would, um, one of us would hide, and, and then others would try to find them. What, what do you call, do you have that game here? What do you call that? Hide and seek, hide and seek. yes, okay, good, yes, it's like hide and seek. Um, my, my grandmother made this leather ball, she wove this uh, stuff together and put these dried seeds in it, and so then we had this ball we would throw in all kinds of games with this leather ball. Um, and then there was an old Egyptian game uh, that uh, rich people had these fancy boards, but we would just draw in the dirt, um, this the, and we'd have whiter stones and darker stones, and we would then jump each other and try to collect the other one's stones. Um, does that sound like anything you play here? Um, yes. Uh, checkers, yes, I think that's it. I think it's what you call checkers, exactly. An old Egyptian name. I think they called it Al-Kirke back in Egypt. Um, anyway, we had several dozen kids that we used to play with all the time and have such fun in Bethlehem. Um, of course, you've never heard of Bethlehem. It was just a small, no-name town. Wait, you have heard of it? Oh, oy, of course, this is Christmas. You've heard of you, you just celebrated Jesus' birth, and of course he was born in? Oh, yes. Okay, so you have an understanding. But you may not know that there were only 25, 30 families, 25, 30 homes there in our small village. Um, we were, if anybody says, where do you live? I'd say, well, we're five miles south of Jerusalem. And everyone knew Jerusalem, of course. That was the, the religious center, and we since we were only five, well, we called it stadia. It was 40 stadia, but you say miles um, from, from Jerusalem. We could go up in a matter of maybe three hours. We'd be there for the festivals, the Passover and other religious festivals. Um, yeah, and then about, let's see, 20 stadia south of us, maybe, maybe three miles south of us, was one of Herod the Great's huge fortress palaces. Um, and uh, in fact, some of my relatives, because we were known as stonemasons and carpenters, um, our, our bigger family, uh, uh, some of them went down there and worked and helped construct that big palace fortress for, uh, for Herod the Great. Um, in fact, Joseph, one of my uncles, he was such a good carpenter that he was recruited to go north about 75 miles, you would say, I think, um, to a big city called Zipporahs. Uh, to help one, one of uh, Herod's other big, uh, big palaces. Uh, of course, he couldn't afford to live in the city. It was too expensive. So he found uh, lodging with, 
with family about an hour away, an hour walk, of course, um, in a little town called Nazareth. So uh, that was my Uncle Joseph, but you'll hear more about him in a minute. Yes, um, so uh, in our culture, in fact, that makes me think, in our culture, hospitality was hugely important. Um, when people, even strangers, would be coming through town and it got toward evening, we would have to offer them hospitality. It was a matter of survival often, um, just to give them lodging, or food, and, and, and a shelter, um, and especially family, any family. So when Joseph went up to Zipporah's, he connected with a close family and just lived with them for those years he was, he was there. Uh, in fact, in our, not, not that we had big homes, the average, uh, the average village home, like ours, was, was basically one, one room. Um, and uh, it, uh, we just ate there, we slept there, we, you know, um, did our Hebrew lessons there, we just did everything in that one room. Uh, and it was pretty sparsely furnished, as most were. There was one chest, typically, uh, where, and we had one chest where my mother would put the cooking utensils. And of course, grandmother. Did, did I mention that we, our grandparents, we lived with them, they lived with us, however you say that. We were all there, and then we had one aunt living with us, in addition to our brothers and sisters. Um, so we had one chest where we'd have the cooking utensils and one drawer at the bottom <coughs> where there were a few extra clothes. We usually just had one set of clothes, um, which was typical. But, and then there was one low table where we would recline to, uh, to eat together. And at, at night, all we do is get the rolls, get our mats, which are rolled up in the corner, get those out and put them on the floor, and uh, that was our bed. Um, I think, what, until maybe I was 10 or 11 years old, I slept with my three brothers on one mat. Just, that's, you know, that was the way we did it. Um, so, we had typical, uh, yeah, in fact, not unlike this, one big room, and then there would be stairs going up to the, uh, to the roof. The roof acted like a second room for us, really, and in the, except in the rainy season, in the winter, um, we'd be up there, we could play up there, we could, uh, especially in the evenings when the hot sun set, our family would go up there just to sit and uh, talk, tell stories, do evening prayers together, of course, because we were religious, and as I said, we went to up to Jerusalem for the high holy days as often as we could. Yes. Um, so, the, uh, you might, uh, you might have a hard time thinking, whoa, all those people in one room. But, oh yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess when I see how you live here, that would be especially hard to believe, because you have, what, three or four or five or seven rooms in your house? Um, and some of those, I understand, are empty, like, almost the whole week, which, so, it's hard for me to believe. You think it's hard to believe, and it's hard for me to believe, but, hey, it's different, different strokes for different folks, I think I heard someone say, right? <coughs> well, our, uh, our house, I said there was one big room, but actually, it was a room with, and on the end of that room, there was a lower level, so all under one, one ceiling, one, one roof, but on the, um, on the, uh, let's see, yes, like that. So we might say this was our family living room, the big space, but at the end of our house, which was typical for most village houses in our day, 
uh, there was what we called the stable. You'd step down three or four steps, and the stable is where we would bring in the animals in the evening. And that was for two purposes. One was for, for the warmth they would give us in those chilly nights. They'd help to, to keep us warm on those cold nights. But second, and more importantly, as importantly, I don't know, um, they, we didn't want them stolen because there were thieves in the hillsides nearby and they could come in and steal our ox or our, or our donkey or our cow. And so, of course, we brought them in. And then there were what we call mangers. Um, did I tell you that our, our family floor, of course, was just hard dirt? And we kept it swept clean, of course, but it was, but it was all dirt. And then at the end, where, where you see those circles, what we call mangers, those were dug out to help feed the animals with grain or, or straw, um, hay, I guess as you call it, hay, yeah, um, at night. Um, yeah, and so that was, that was typically how our, our, house, our houses looked. Now, my grandfather ended up, um, a few years before I was born, I think, he ended up building another room on that end of the house. I'll talk about that in a, in a few minutes. But, um, and it had a separate door, and that was what we called the hospitality chamber, or I think you might call it a uh, guest room here. Yeah, yeah. So it, was, it, it acted like our, our guest room. Um, yeah, so, but here I'm going all this detail, and you're saying, what about that amazing event? Oh, yeah, I, I get into all these rabbit trails. You could ask my wife. She, <laughs> she says, I'm always getting on rabbit trails. Um, but that might be of interest to you because you live so differently than we do. Um, this amazing event. So, it all started when, when Caesar Augustus declared a census. And so people had to go back to their hometown, the men, of course. The men had to go back to their hometown. That was our culture. The women just took, went with the men. But they had to go back to their town of origin. And before we knew it, we were having... Um, is this orange? Yeah. Um, before we knew it, we were having relatives come in, of course, and they were, um, we welcomed them. We could not welcome them. It was, it was, it would be rude. It would be unthinkable not to bring, have relatives stay with you, even if it meant uh, some of us going up on the roof, which we kids didn't mind at all. Can you imagine kids sleeping on the roof? I mean, like out under the stars? Uh, and so we, for weeks, we were sleeping up on the roof, we kids. Um, but then, Okay, so the guest room became full, and then suddenly, Uncle Joseph shows up. And, not, and, and he has, he, we didn't know he'd gotten married, but he's married and he has a very pregnant wife with him. Her name was um, um, Mary. Yes, Mary. Exactly. It's been a lot of years since that happened. Um, yeah, so Joseph and Mary were there, and... Uh, since the guest room is full, the family said, well, just come live with us in the, in the living room, of course. And, and we kids, like I said, end up going up on the roof uh, for n at night, and we'd be outside most of the time anyway, because that was where we wanted to be. Um, but yeah, which, which kind of leads me to a cultural insight I want to give you, uh, share with you. Um, as it turns out, um, well, you know this from how languages can have different meanings, words can have different meanings. Uh, for example, if you, what would you call this? French fries. 
but what do the British call it? Chips, right? Okay, when I think of chips, what do I think of? You think of potato chips, right? Okay, same, same uh, subject, different, different word for it. Um, or even more crazy, the British call this a dummy for babies. Some of you didn't probably know that. I didn't know that until recently myself. Um, but we call it a pacifier, of course. Now, can you imagine if my wife is in helping, looking out for our little granddaughter, and she says, hmm, I wonder where the dummy is. I'm thinking, is she talking about me, or is she talking about the pacifier dummy? Yeah, who, who, who does it say? So, words, words can be crazy. Well, in, in the, what you call the New Testament, uh, Luke, one of Jesus' followers, um, and early disciples, ended up writing about this story and the whole life of Jesus, in fact. And in his, uh, in, in, uh, his gospel, you call it, um, the word cataluma is translated guest chamber. In fact, when Jesus and the 12 disciples, 12 apostles, were with him the last evening before he was betrayed, Jesus said, tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? That guest room is the same, that word cataluma. And he will show you a large upper room furnished, prepare it there, prepare the Passover meal for us there. Um, and I think you, I've heard this referred to as the upper room because it was an upper room uh, in this house. They must have had a big house. This was in Jerusalem, of course, and so they had bigger houses there with two stories and rooms on top, which we villagers didn't know anything about. Um, yeah, but then that same word is used only one other time. That same word, cataloma, in Luke 2, when they were there, the time came for Mary to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, which is what we did and what shepherds did um, back in the day. Everybody, all the poor people, that's how they did it, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. That is the hospitality chamber or the guest room. Oy, I can see that you're thinking, what's going on here? What are you talking about? Well, it was like this. This was our guest room. <coughs> Okay, like I said, my grandfather had built this before I was born with a separate entrance. Well, this was jam full of, of relatives. Joseph and Mary came and lived with us in our family living room, and there was no room for them in the guest room, and so they lived with us. We wouldn't have thought to have them anyplace else, even at the sacrifice we went through. And then when suddenly when Mary gives birth, what do we do? Of course, my father goes out and gets some fresh straw and puts it in one of the mangers. They wrap him in swaddling cloths and put him in one of the mangers. That's what, that's where they put me when I was born as a baby. That's what we've done for generations in our village and in, in our culture and among peasants like us. And so babies were put in mangers all the time when they were small. We didn't have, what, what do you call them? Those, those things that you put babies in, the special contraptions? 
Cribs, yes, cribs, yes, exactly. We didn't have those. In fact, I understand in your world, even today, many people who don't have cribs will use a, a dresser drawer, a drawer and a dresser, and put a baby in there, um, which, which works. Um, yeah, and so um, this, is, this was the culture of our day. And when I think of how some people have said, well, Mary and Jesus were rejected and put away by themselves in this little stable. That's very confusing to me because we would never do that. Any family, any relative would never do that. Of course, my mother and my grandmother and other women, all the men left the room when Mary started getting ready for the birth. They were getting ready to have the baby, of course. But all these women were around her and they sent for the, for the uh, birthing uh, coach, you call him, I think, uh, in the village. There was one older lady who always helped women. Um, yeah, and so they were, they were with us and surrounded by love and, and our best attention that we could give them. Well, I, boy, I, 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 I should have known. I've gone into too much detail again. But um, one other thing. When the shepherds came that night, they told us that the angels had... Uh, had told them, had said to them, uh, you'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And they said, you know what? We knew immediately that we could identify with this baby. He wasn't some hoity-toity, um, you know, important figure that we couldn't understand. If he was born in a manger and wrapped in swaddling cloths, he's just like one of us. And so they felt immediately comfortable, immediately at home, in Jesus' presence in our home, in our humble home. Well, I've said enough about Jesus' birth, and it's not, there's not time enough to tell you about his, his life, the three years he preached and performed miracles. You see, I was his older cousin. I watched him grow up. I watched him and heard about him starting to, to teach and preach. I went to some of his, to, to, to hear him and be close to him. I, I was even there when they, he took this little boy's lunch and, and out of that one lunch multiplied and fed about 20,000 people. I think your Bible says 5,000 men, which is true, but that was, there were about 20,000 of us all together was the best estimate that I heard in that, uh, when he preached that big sermon and, and did that miracle. But, and you might have guessed, I ended up becoming one of Jesus' followers, one of his disciples and saw my life change because of that. Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ. And he was born in our crazy, crowded little home in Bethlehem. I'm glad we welcomed Mary and Joseph and made room for them. As inconvenient as it was at the time, we got to welcome Jesus, this new baby Jesus, into this world and into our lives. Isn't that what Christmas is all about? Making room for Jesus. Welcoming him into our busyness and craziness, knowing that he can identify with us right where we are, just like the shepherds could identify with him. Jesus referred to himself, in fact, as the good shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. 
the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Have you made room for Jesus in the home of your heart? Have you received that gift of his eternal life, the life of purpose and peace and pardon that only he can give? Which is good for these few years we're here on earth and then throughout eternity. As he said, eternal life he gives us. What better time than now, entering the new year with a new life in Christ? deciding to follow him in a deeper way or deciding to follow him maybe for the first time. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for his humble beginnings. And we humble ourselves before you, even now, acknowledging his goodness and greatness, his grace, which is available to each of us. Lord, might we, as sheep, not blindly go our own way, but choose to follow you, Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.